Welcome to the When God Calls podcast. I am your host, Michael McCaskill, public servant, lay servant, and cancer survivor. Each episode, you will hear motivational stories from people whose lives have been changed by serving others. Along the way, you'll get tips and strategies that you can use to become a more effective Christian. Thanks for listening. Now let the journey continue. day for the time to come together on your day Lord on this special time thank you Lord for these reports that that we're brought back to mm-hmm. seek your face Lord mm-hmm. and, and all the bad stuff Lord the negative stuff going on when we get in trouble we know exactly where to go mm-hmm. Lord let the preachers and theologians and saints be right that, that revival is imminent Lord Lord let it start in the Bloodstown Church, Lord, bring our hearts to this to the altar, Lord, to hear exactly what you have for us, Lord. Make us attentive, Lord, set us on fire to do your will and to seek your way for those hurting around us. Be with us in this, this lesson, Lord. Bless my let us hear from you in this service in the midst of Lord. We pray here in your name. Amen. So we're going to start this. Now we're going to start 1 Corinthians. Uh, we did Ephesians uh, at the end of last year and finished that up uh, sometime in November, December. I can't remember, but we've uh, had a lot going on in the church since then with cantatas and uh, changeovers and Sunday schools and, and everything else. So we're now going to start back on 1 Corinthians. Uh, today what I thought we'd do is do an overview. I didn't want to just jump into the to the book of First Corinthians. Let's talk about how where it came from, how it got to where it is, what what was happening at the time, if we could. Um, not unlike today, in in Corinth, in in this time back in the fifties A.D., uh, people didn't care. People were doing their own thing. People thought that they had it all right. They, they knew what they were doing. They were worshiping other gods. They were worshiping idols. They were sleeping around with prostitutes. I mean, they had all kinds of stuff going on in, in Corinth at the time. Um, and, and, we, and we read in Acts Paul's missions. And one of Paul's missions, he went through Corinth on his way to Ephesus um, and stopped in Corinth for about a year and a half or so. Um, and started the church there. He goes to Ephesus. He spends three years or so in Ephesus. And while he's there, he writes a letter to the Corinthians. Now, it's not 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians that he's writing at this time. It's, it's just a first letter to Corinth. And it's been lost. In history, it's been lost. But based on 1 Corinthians, we do know what a little bit about what uh, was in that first letter. Um, sexual immorality was a big topic of that letter, and you see that in 1 Corinthians. It talks, it refers back to that letter. I've already written to you about sexual immorality. Uh, but the Corinthians didn't take it seriously. 
they are living in Corinth under Roman rule. I mean, they have a whole lot of things going on around them, the Christians in Corinth. And so I don't want to say they're backsliding more so than they're just living in the world that they're living in. And they're letting the world dictate how they they live their lives. What we do in Corinth stays in Corinth. Well, that's right. That's right. It is that saying about Vegas, what happens in Vegas, that Gary did stays in Vegas. Um, certainly. But it got back to Paul um, from someone called Chloe, from Chloe's household. Uh, that household reports back to Paul that there's a few things going on in Corinth while he's in Ephesus. One of them is divisions amongst the believers. Some of them are following Paul's words. Some of them are following um, Apollos' words. Some of them are following Peter's. Well, we know that all three of these folks were preaching the same gospel from a little different angle. They said things a little differently, and we all perceive things differently. Gary and April, they're going to perceive what I'm saying differently because they're different people. We're all human beings and trying to interpret what we're hearing. But it's also coming from somebody else. And I'm giving you my interpretation of what I'm reading and seeing and talking about. So there's a division in the church amongst who's right. So Paul has to to talk about that in his letter. Um, There's reports, again, of of continued sexual immorality. Uh, He gets a visit from some folks called Stephanus. Fortuitous and Archaicus—I can't even say that word—Archaicus. I'm not sure who these people are yet, but by next uh, Sunday I will. But they report back. (laughs) Uh, And then, so Paul gets some feedback from them. I'm not sure what that feedback is, but he's getting some feedback. And then Paul remembers the letter that he wrote—the first letter of all the things he was telling them that they should follow in the first letter. So Paul takes all that information and sits down and writes the, the, the first epistle, 1 Corinthians, back to the Corinthians, the people of Corinth. He writes it from Ephesus three to four years after leaving Corinth, somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, and as, and as you will see, there's a lot more to this letter than just sexual immorality and divisions in the church. He does talk about the division. He does talk about sexual immorality. But he also talks about eating foods that have been sacrificed. He talks about worship and how we are to worship. And he talks about the fact that the resurrection is real. And these are all topics that are coming from a letter that Corinth, the folks at Corinth, wrote back to Peter, or to Paul, I'm sorry. So he's answering the questions in those letters that they're asking him. Can we eat the meat of sacrificed animals to idols? Um, there's talk of how the people are worshiping. So when when people were worshiping at that time and, and the Spirit hit them, and I use that in quotes, they may start talking in tongues or they may get a word from God and they want to speak out about that in the church service. Well, that created chaos in the church service where the folks who are visiting who may not be Christians yet are trying to figure out what all this is about. They don't know what just happened. They don't understand the guy speaking in tongues. They can't hear the guy that's trying to say what God just told him because there's somebody else doing the same thing, and it's just all a mess. 
So Paul talks to them about how they should be worshiping and, and the lens through which they should be viewing everything as they are worshiping, as they are eating the food, as they are living their lives, as they are following Christianity as, as it's supposed to be. And then, of course, he talks about the resurrection. You've got some folks in the Corinth church saying that the resurrection is not even real. It's not even important. So Paul responds to that saying, yes, it's important. In fact, it's the most important because if Christ didn't was not resurrected from his death on the cross, then our sin is still unforgiven. Our sin is still out there and, and we are responsible for ourselves. That was the whole purpose. So he's having to say a lot of stuff in this letter to the folks at Corinth. But let's remember that it's been three or four years. He only spent a year, a year and a half at Corinth. And most, some of that he spent in the Jewish synagogues. Because remember, Paul's methodology was when he got to a city, the first place he went was to the Jewish synagogue. Well, they kicked him out <laughs> in Corinth. So he went next door and began talking to the Gentiles. And that's where he started his, the church in Corinth, was with the Gentiles. There probably were some Jewish converts or Jewish folks that would come over sometimes just because they were curious about what was going on in that in that church service. But other times it's because maybe they felt led to to they, they their belief in Jesus Christ's death was now apparent and they wanted to get more about that. So the lens that Paul is teaching them or talking to them about all of this through is love. The entire gospel lens is love. The reason Jesus Christ came, lived our life, died on the cross, was resurrected, was because God loved us so much, because Jesus Christ loved us so much. And we are to be worshiping Him with that same kind of love. We are to be worshiping and, and teaching people with that same kind of love. So the folks who were speaking out in church at the moment God gave them a word to speak about, they were thinking about themselves and trying to say what God has told them, that they were now in the know instead of what does this mean to the folks that are sitting in the pews or in the chairs or on the rocks or on the dirt trying to get their lives right, trying to understand what Christ was all about. They weren't looking through that lens. They were looking through their own. So Paul is trying to teach them in the First Corinthians letter to do everything you do out of love for Christ, for God and the human beings around you. But we're all human. And we can't do that all the time. In fact, even when we are looking through that lens of love, we struggle with our own personal struggles, our own personal thoughts, our own personal un misunderstandings, or we think we understand something and we actually don't. So we have our own internal struggles, and so we're thinking about ourselves at that time and not others. So Paul's trying through this letter to say, look, Christ loved you, you are to love Christ, and you're to love those folks around you and those people you come in contact with no matter what. Judgment's going to come. You don't. You're, we're not the judges. Judgment will come. But when that judgment comes, you will be judged for the same, under the same guise that everybody else is, no matter what. So Paul packs a lot of stuff into a few chapters of a, of a book, into a letter. Um. That is in that is the gist of the letter we're going to we're going to be uh, studying over the next few weeks, probably a couple of months, maybe longer. Um, I'm not sure if we're going to go through 
I'm not sure how the sections are going to play out. I don't know if I'll do a chapter or a section. Most likely I'm going to start with a section. And then in those places where a full chapter, if you break it up, it really becomes a, a mess, then then I'll um, do the full chapter. But uh, what I'd like to do for next Sunday is I'll start out. The, the first part of it is a greeting. So um, he starts talking about the divisions somewhere around verse 4 of chapter 1. So I'm going to go through the the division piece, what's going on in the church, people believing Peter, Paul, or Apollos, and they're listening to different words and different people. So I'm going to use that section. I think it goes through chapter 2, about middle of chapter 2 is that division. So if you want to read beforehand so that we can have the discussion next Sunday, that'd be great. I'll send you a, a text with what what exactly I'm going to go through. But what I want us to glean today from this is... <laughs> Corinth was just like we are today. Think about it. The topics may be a little different, but we're still sinners. We're still struggling. We well, still. The thing is, a lot of the topics aren't different. They're exactly the same. It's like nothing has changed. That is. Sometimes you put new terms on it, but it's the same. Well, yeah, so. you put new terms, but it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's like we don't learn. History repeats itself and repeats itself and repeats itself. Actually, to repeat means you get to the end of something and you start over. I don't know that we've ever started over. I'm not sure that we've ever gone full circle here. I think it's just we've gotten to a point in our morality, if you will, and we've stopped. <laughs> we've stopped growing. We've stopped listening. Um, to that point, I personally struggle with my mind keeping it focused on God and in Christ and His love for me because He came here and He lived like I've lived and lived a sinless life and died for me. But I struggle day to day to remember that. And I struggle with well, I've got this to do and this to do and this to do and i got to get that done, but what am I doing it for? The act of having things to do is not necess- is not the problem. It's why are you doing them? Uh, you know, am I running this Sunday school class for me or for you or for God? And I, st- I'm, hey, look, I struggle with that. I get up sometimes on a Sunday morning and think, i got to get ready again. <laughs> But the minute I sit down and say that little prayer of please, just help me, he does. Sometimes, though, I don't listen. <laughs> and sometimes I get it. I'll, I'll come in here and I'll forget what I was supposed to talk about. You know, there's things like that. So I say that in a personal note to say I'm sure we all struggle with our own selves in remembering that it doesn't matter what you do. It's for whom and why you do it that's so important. And that as long as you're looking through the lens of loving other people, loving God because God loved you, and you're doing that service for them and for Him, then you're on the right track. may not mean you're perfect because you're not, but at least you're headed in the right direction. And that's what I struggle with, making sure my direction stays intact. And I do, I get... I get sideways 
a lot of times. I'm, I don't know if everybody struggles. Uh, everybody struggles with different things, and, and I know that. But. See, so it's just a great thing or a great thing. Doesn't have to be bad. Just to move your focus a little bit off center. Mm-hmm. And I think in these, in in First Corinthians and in the, the church at Corinth, speaking about the divisions in the church to that point, I don't think they were way off kilter. I think their focus just changed. And instead of focusing on God and loving people, they focused on the person bringing them the message. And it's not about the person bringing them the message. It's about the message and God and His His His, His work in your life and letting that happen. And I think that's the big thing, too. It's the subtle place that we can get off. As long as we're off, that's all Satan cares about. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the subtle things. I think we would recognize, I hope we recognize the big things, but it's the subtle things that I think messed us all up. You know, because subtle is what gets us. Mm-hmm. You know, but if it keeps us off God, it still keeps us off God. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so dangerous. <laughs> that's why, like you said, every day to pray to get us refocused. Because we may not even know. You know, it's dangerous. And if you don't think there's Spirits out there messing around with you in the spiritual world. You can see it with just that little change in direction. And you can see, because you're right, that's where Satan plays. He doesn't play in the big stuff. Because you know not to get in the big stuff. But it's in the little stuff that he gets you. He gets gets me. (laughs) He gets me. The gifts that he he gives us, even, even in the church, do they, do they stop with us or do they point to Christ, which is the only reason for the gifts? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I remember a professor in college telling me one time with music, and it was at a Christian college, and I remember one of the things he warned us all about was you got to be very careful with your gift because it's a gift, and you can use that gift to stir emotions. And even though you may stir people's emotions, they may be stirred with their emotions, but their emotions still may not be led to God. You need to make sure that every time you're up there singing, that you're praying that it's still, the performance is not leading just an emotion, that it's leading with God, to God. He said, because you have a gift, and you can always stir people, but if it's not leading to God, you had not done anybody any good. And I remember, th- I've never forgotten that, because it was like, wow, you know, it's powerful, but it's, you know, it's mm-hmm. dangerous too, you know, to think that, I don't know, just, I remember him saying that, and I thought, wow, no one's ever said that to me, or to all of us, mm-hmm. you know, it just took your breath away, but, wow, you know. There's a, there's a part of First uh, Corinthians, right in the first part, when he's talking about the divisions, where Paul says, um, Paul planted the seed, Peter watered it, but God makes it grow. Mm-hmm. And so I've never really thought about things this way. You may plant a seed and somebody comes along and, and kind of nurtures that person and maybe has helped watering it, but it's God that makes them grow in the spirit. But if we're not watering it, it's hard for God. Well, God can do anything, but it's hard for that person to focus on God. If the seed's never planted, then, then things don't happen the way they should happen either. So it's up to all of us to not just plant seeds, but to water them so that God 
takes that and grows it. And I'd never heard it. I'd, I'd always heard, I plant the seed, and God takes it from there. But that just, in, for us, that indicates that it's only one person. And that's not true. It takes all of us in everybody's lives to make that change and to encourage and to keep them on the right track. God can handle it, but He wants us to plant and nurture. Any other thoughts? All right. Gary, you want to close us? Father, thank you for meeting with us, Lord. We have indeed heard from you, Lord. Let us us just retain the, the... this, the spirit, Lord, that you've given us and the, the direction and the corrections that you've given us, Lord. Let us be aware of the, the slight uh, getting all focus, Lord. May everything that we do end up in praise for you, Lord. Be with us today. Go, go with us. Let us know and do your will. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.